This is Air Commander Starscream, and you are listening to Half Measures. Uh, Half Measures? Sounds like Megatron's battle strategy. <laughs> Welcome in to episode 138 of Half Measures. I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Dan Whiting King. Dan, how are you going? Kilda Paul. Uh, I'm, I'm okay. I'm a, I'm a little bit under the weather this week. I've, I seem to be struck by some type of, some type of virus. Um, I don't know what that means, but I'll tell you, this morning, I'm lying in bed, feeling sorry for myself. I hear a bit of a bang and a crash. The cat comes in. Throws a dead bird down on the floor, like, here you go, you sorry guy. Like, you, you, you can barely fend for yourself. And it was, like a, it was like a thud of the bird being thrown on the floor. Wow. What an effort. I mean, what a thought to think, oh, you know, that, that guy I live with, he's obviously not well. I know what I'd do. I'll bring him some breakfast. Uh, bring him some breakfast. And you know, because you know what animals are like, especially cats, they're like, they're only bringing it to you because they think you can't fend for yourself anymore. So it's it's potentially worse than, this could be the last episode for me, I don't know. But um. <laughs> And this is bird soup's going to sort of kick in. We'll see what happens. Yeah, we'll see how the bird goes. I um, It's funny because our cat is called Mando and it's named after the Mandalorian. You know, as a bounty hunter, we had high hopes mm. that this cat would be, honestly, it's it struggles to catch a fly. It's just, it was so poorly named, this this cat. So our, so our cat is called Money Penny after James Bond. Yes. Money um, clearly not many Money Pennies around. Serious hunter killer. Constantly, like, we've had to put, like, additional bells on to stop the number of birds being brought in. The only great thing about today's bird, not great for the bird, is that <laughs> this, this bird was no longer with us. Normally, they're brought in just in a, like, in a, in a state of, like, oh, I've been caught, but I'm now going to fly around your house. Oh, and, brilliant. Yeah, so that's a real nightmare. In fact, the other day I went out because I saw her lying on the grass and sort of like playing with him with her paw. She had a mouse, like like a field mouse, with like big ears and stuff. Like she's having a great time. I don't want to send us down a rabbit hole, but I am amazed that cats catch mice because when you see a mice, a mice, <laughs> you see a mouse, you see how they run. Like they are so fast, it's incredible that a cat catches a mouse. Indeed, indeed. Look, they're um, well, they're, they're they're really a pest, aren't they? Like they're an invasive species, cats. Even though they're great, but uh... also, can I take you back to the comment you made about additional bells? Like, like one bell is not sufficient. So I've now got a vision of this cat's got like all this bling across its neck, sort of its collar because it needs like about seven bells. It's like the Mister T of collars, you know. It's just <laughs> bling, bling, I, bling. I pity the mouse. Yeah, and in fact, if you're going to have the cat, like roaming free around the house during the night you've actually got to take the collar off because otherwise it's like a constant alarm clock going off I, we, we haven't got time for this but the, the cat cannot roam around the house at night that that is off limits and also the cat cannot exit or enter the house at its own we have to that also needs to be controlled i essentially run a prison when i think about it when it comes to our cat so we've got um a cat uh, like a cat door and it's like synced to the microchip so and like you can just program the hours so it's like oh love it and so it's like this is your curfew, but she knows when the curfew is. Like she'll she'll leave the house, like within about thirty seconds of that cat door locking every night, and be out as late as possible. Sorry, I'm going to ask more questions. Does 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 the cat door release? Does it make a noise? Yeah, it's like, okay. it's like a click. So it's not like yeah, and so it's the the microchip basically like registers with the cat door, and it's like a money penny's not there, but like, the force yeah. going. I, I yeah. sense no, the door, but there. but she knows the time. Like she knows when that lock, you know, because she's she's out just before it locks every night. Like we could have a spin-off podcast of that cats, but let's discuss that off. Mm. <laughs> let's let's um let's do what we perhaps do best. Uh talk about TV and movies. Dan, what have you been watching this week? Um, I have been watching a, a couple of things. We've got a, a joint watch as well this week, so maybe not as busy as usual. But the the first thing I'd like to bring to the table, Paul, is a a movie that I a, a bit of a Halloween watch, shall we say. Um, so if you're looking for something a little bit more on the, you know, the thriller, spooky side, I watched a movie called The Black Phone, and this was uh, a movie I actually watched on uh, iTunes, and it's, she stars Ethan Hawke, and it's basically the story about a, 
um, after being abducted by a child killer and locked in a soundproof basement, a 13-year-old boy starts receiving calls on a disconnected phone from the killer's previous victims. And so it's actually been a movie that's kind of been on my radar for a long time, mostly because of the, the poster. I've sort of seen it popping up around the place. But this was a this was a pretty good movie, Paul. Like I I really enjoyed it. So you've basically got these. Um, it's it's kind of got a bit of a nineties type vibe to it. But mm-hmm. so uh, you got these small sort of town community, like kind of almost think kind of stranger Stranger Things type kids, but not not quite so sort of bright and colourful. Bunch of kids start going missing. Eventually the the main character, Finney, played by Mason um Thames, goes missing and he's kidnapped by by Ethan Hawke, who's kind of been nicknamed the grabber because like sort of like a, a crab. He's like comes out of nowhere and, and takes these kids. And he wears as you'll see in the poster, he's kind of wears this quite spooky sort of almost sort of devilish type mask. And so he he locks up these kids uh, individually, they're, they're alone, down in this basement. And it's, you know, like in the in the TV show You, and there's that sort of soundproof room. It, mm-hmm. It's like this. So, And so there's like no amount of screaming or yelling, you're going to be heard. And but there's this phone in the room, and it's just and it's not plugged in or anything, um, but it, it rings. And so um, Finney, the the main character, answers it. And then after a while, he starts talking to to previous victims, and it's kind of explained by by Ethan Hawke's character, the grabber, is art oh, static electricity, like it just sort of like makes the phone ring for no reason. It's it's all kind of a bit. And so you've got this whole sort of thing going on where. Finney's trapped downstairs, sorry, downstairs in the sort of basement soundproof type thing. Mm-hmm. You've got uh, his sister, played by Madeline McGraw, and she's kind of got almost like a bit of sort of psychic abilities. Like she kind of dreams about like things that sort of happen and gets clues and and so she kind of gets these different visions and stuff. And so you've sort of constantly sort of got these interesting um, tensions of uh, Finney trying to get out of this like soundproof box. You've got his sister Gwen trying to hunt from him. You've got all these kind of other interesting characters. And it's it's kind of like Ethan Hawke, I feel like is a, I've always been a big fan of Ethan Hawke, but I, I feel like you don't, well, I don't see a lot of them these days. And I've most recently seen him in Moon Knight, but it's great to kind of see him play a, a real villain in a, in a horror thriller type movie. And he plays this this fantastic bad guy. And so if all of these things are kind of sparking your interest, I, I'd highly recommend it. It's It's got a few good, it's got good sort of jump scares. It's got um, a, a pretty good story. Like it's, it's a good thriller. It's not too kind of... Uh, supernaturally like it's more it's more in the in the thriller sense but i think this would be a great halloween night watch it does sound quite appealing i do i do love the jump scares that's that is my type of you know horror thriller if you like i i was just about to say the same thing as you ethan Hawke, just another one of those actors who every time i see him i'm always like, oh it's ethan Hawke, and he's he's always great and i've i, I just don't see too much of him these days and it's a it is a real shame because he's such a, a great quality i absolutely love the poster and the thing i love about the poster because of course you you're sort of drawn to the the quite ridiculous sort of smile but it's actually the glasses that that really do it for me it's like um just like these real basic uh classics that glasses that he's wearing it looks um it looks absolutely hilarious and the director he's um he's got a couple of great things under his belt i see you know snowpiercer doctor strange mold multiverse of madness um he's yeah he's got a great little catalog we sort of sort of see a sort of trend you know with the, the hellraiser movies and things in there so he's probably well placed for this type of thing yeah no no look it's um it, it's really great and i think i would say with ethan hall like, he's almost kind of got these like jeffrey Dahmer type glasses so it almost sort of like strikes yes. at a at, at a perfect time because he does classic kind of big wireframe glasses um and you're right like this isn't this uh scott uh derrickson's sort of first outing like he's got a, a great sort of back catalog of films behind him um dr strange for example is another one of his, his great pieces of work but it's a it was just a good movie like every now and again like I'm not the biggest kind of like horror fan but every now and again you know we've talked about this before these types of films kind of they pick my interest and this one did that with kind of the I, I don't know much about it I've just seen the poster everywhere came across it gave it a watch and I, I just had a great time 
and the premise as well that's pretty cool you know a, a disconnected phone getting calls from the i mean that's i like that yeah no it's good this is a good one i i would if we were if this was a this would be in all the guns for me wow that's right up there yeah. okay that's that is i love that great find i love it when you find something and it brings out all the guns indeed indeed uh then the other thing i've watched and i'm not going to talk about this for a, a long time because it's it's hard to talk about uh these sorts of things is a stand-up comedy um special by Hassan Minaj. so his latest stand-up comedy is out called the king's jester uh you may remember Hassan; he did the patriot act tv show on uh, netflix he's a he's an indian guy and uh, lives in new york i think he's born in america absolutely hilarious paul like such a, a great great comedian and he this is he's done several stand-up comedy shows now and and he's just getting better and better and it was one of those real sort of i think for me like like you know you watch it with kind of you go on with sort of just like you know average to medium expectations and you just sort of end up laughing out loud and and, and having a good time and he's he's got some great real life sort of scenarios and stories he's talking about like about having kids and how it kind of changes you and um just how close you know as a comedian you kind of get to i guess the the line um particularly he sort of talks a lot about things that are going on in saudi arabia and it's it's if you're a fan of patrick act if you're a fan of hassan Minhaj, highly highly recommended it's a it was a great watch you know when i bring like a 1936 black and white tv show to the pod and you're like paul i don't know what i can say to you i got nothing i i've never heard of this guy and um it makes me feel real old because when i think about it, when i would choose to watch a, a stand-up comedy i think oh i'll watch jerry seinfeld or i'll watch billy Connolly or, or ricky gervais I, like, I feel like i need to get a little bit more modern have i have i told this story on the pod before i feel like i I wasn't going to tell it because I feel I thought I had, but I might not. So the time when I was in New York and I went to a stand-up comedy show, yes, and this guy, this guy was on, and I had my jacket on, and he's like, "This guy, this guy. he's not even sure if he's staying." <laughs> this is him. So, which is why I kind of feel like when I see his stuff pop up online, I, I I'm always committed to it because I feel like I got a bit of a personal roast. I've I you have told me that before. I can't remember if you said it behind the mics or on the mics i have no idea now but yes <laughs> always i would really love to have been a fly on the wall to have, this guy doesn't know if he's coming or going <laughs> yeah it really make me rethink whatever i'm wearing to a future comedy event oh, so you've um, got to be real i think because you must have been relatively close to the front as well for him to spot the jacket you know yeah 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 it was well it was cold too like it was sort of a, it was it was sort of winter time and so yeah look i don't know and it was, it was a relatively small, like it was in a bar. Like it was, okay. I think it was sort of right on the verge of his sort of big breakthrough. Okay, so, okay. Yeah. Never sit too close to the front when you're going to see some comedians because you just don't know. You just don't know. Yeah, yeah. No, indeed, indeed. So this is on Netflix. Uh, if you like this particular stand-up show, he's got a whole series of them. Plus he's got a the Patriot Act TV show I was talking about, which is a, more of a bit of a... There's about three or four seasons of it, and it's sort of about current events, but often with a bit of a comedic spin. So it's a good watch. And that is me this week, Paul. Okay, so I've got one TV series to talk about this week, and then we'll dive into our, our shared watch of, of Dairy Girls. Um, but before we head to Northern Ireland, let's head to the Republic of Ireland, because this week I've gone to see smother so i reviewed season one of smother a few months back uh the first season and really enjoyed it, it, it it's, it's it's an irish thriller drama it's you know it's bbc and rte produced set in a small town on the coast of county clare and it's about um uh, a mother called val who's determined to protect her family and particularly her, her three daughters uh, at any cost and so I really enjoyed that first season and I was really pleased to see that there was a second season, but it turns out lightning did not strike twice. It just was not as good. And it's always disappointing because how often is it that you enjoy a first season and then you go into the second or third or subsequent? And generally for me, the, the really great shows typically get better. And then after it's finished, I might say to someone oh it's really good you just have to give it a season or two but this one uh just didn't just didn't end up working that well it's a real shame 
it's interesting because it's sort of reviewed on IMDb like fairly similar scores mm. sort of in the high sixes. Um, is it just sort of a story wasn't as good, character development wasn't there? What was the the missing ingredient? It's a shame because, I, I, like, I think all of the main cast that came through from season one are still yeah they're really good. Um, uh, I think it was the main antagonist, and I don't necessarily I don't really mean that from the point of view of the actor who came in. So they they tried to introduce a, a new character that's going to try and stir things up. I think it was the way that story was that story was written. So this this whole series is all about family, and they really. The, the actors and actresses, particularly the, the daughters and the mum, they really do convince you that they're a family. You know, it's the heart of the whole th- whole thing. But it just wasn't strong enough. The new character, I just wasn't buying into his approach. It was, it was. I don't know if you could imagine a cartoon, and then suddenly someone walks in who's animated a different way, or like this doesn't belong here. It just really just didn't gel. And so the the whole punchline of the series or the the big reveal and what was really disappointing is we because you know diana and i watched this together we could probably tell if not within the first episode by the second and we made a decision to carry on through because really enjoyed that first season but um but yeah i i hate that when you kind of like you you know and you kind of look to your partner and you kind of have a shared look like what are you thinking Mm. and it's like it's especially because you're right like i think normally normally with a show like this they normally do get stronger because they've kind of done the hard yards they've kind of introduced the characters they've they've got the sort of core themes down but that's a shame so i presume will this be the last season of the show no that's the thing they 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 definitely sort of set up um the opportunity for a third season as well and who knows it could come back and i feel like it all depends on the writing and where they go because all of the cast, um, Dervla Kerwin as as Val, the the, the mother, uh, Neve Walsh, uh, Gemma Lee Devereaux, in particular, those three are really really strong, and they're just really there is a lot of quality. You know, it's BBC top quality production, the directing, everything. You know, the Irish setting is beautiful, the accents absolutely just hilarious, and so you just get a lot of good gritty fiery characters and i love all that but the so it could come back and i i feel like i would at least give season three episode one a go but um yeah i i would not recommend season two in particular to anyone which is a real shame but hey i guess you can't have them all and i just said that little laugh to myself because i'm like oh, i presume that'll be the end of the season like we control all the funding for what happens <laughs> the shows. nope it's, it's a thumbs down from half measures shut it down turns turns out it turns out that it's uh, not just our decision so um it's available in new zealand uh on tvnz plus um if you like fiery irish dramas and if you enjoy season one you know buyer beware is all i would say Shall we jump on over to maybe a more positive experience over in Ireland with uh, Dairy Girls Season 3? Yeah, so it's been a long wait. It's Well, for anyone who watched it originally, 2018 Season 1, 2019 Season 2, three-year wait since Season 2, and it returned for one final season actually quite a bit earlier this year. Like, there was people on up in the northern hemisphere who were talking about it quite a lot and i was like when are we going to get it but it finally arrived down here um just in the last couple of weeks so this uh if you haven't heard of dairy girls is uh, a 100 comedy based on the personal exploits of initially a 16 year old girl and her family and friends during the troubles um as they were called the troubles in northern ireland in the early 1990s this is such a, a great third season, Paul. Like, I think with Dairy Girls, when I first sort of started watching it, I, I enjoyed it, but I wasn't always 100% like, this is really hitting the mark for me. But I think by the time I got to the end of it, I was the first two seasons, I was thoroughly in love with it. And I think season three just brought me straight back into the the warm embrace of this whole whole sort of environment these characters it was it just kind of felt like more polished more refined it was and I kind of 
though it's it's sad that this is sort of the end of Dairy Girls, I appreciate that they're kind of closing it out here. I think just sort of like age-wise, actress-wise, it kind of feels like this is a, a good point. But I thought this season, fantastic. Top draw comedy and quite possibly the strongest season, um, maybe maybe up there with the first for me, uh, maybe even better. But yeah, same, same as you, Dan. It's like, oh, does it have to end? There's so much quality here, but it can't carry on with them as, as high school girls. <laughs> it's, it's like what we talk about with Stranger Things. It's like it would have to go in a different direction. That being said, there are some spinoffs here that should happen. And if I was a billionaire, I would make it happen. I would force people through just throwing ridiculous money at them the the, the spin-offs i want are sister michael um played by uh siobhan mcsweeney absolutely the most incredible deadpan humor she i mean she was also as an actress she was great in season one of holding that i reviewed earlier this year but as sister michael she, she is absolutely unbeatable and then the other spin-off that must also be greenlit immediately is Uncle Colm, played by John McAleer, quite possibly, quite possibly, Dan. He could be in the top 10 funniest people on TV of all time. He is just that good. I I, I actually went down a little rabbit hole of watching the YouTube clips of the best of Uncle Colm, and I tell you what, if anyone wants to, you know, when people say, oh, can you watch this without laughing? If you can watch that without laughing, I don't know why you listen to this podcast. Uh- <laughs> It's like it's so good, isn't it? I think I appreciate how they like he's such a powerful sort of comedic value, but they only kind of use him sparingly. Yes. And I think I think it's good. I think with um with Sister Michael, I felt like well, she didn't get as much of her this season no. as we maybe have in the previous season. But I think still when she's on screen, like just her her level of like like <laughs> she's just so over it, and she's like barely tolerating these girls. It's it's, it's so good. One of my favourite interactions is always between uh, Jerry Quinn and Joe and Joe McCall. Yes. Like his absolutely absolute hate for for Jerry is at a a Rick and Morty level of just like <laughs> terrible awesomeness. It really is. Um, he just oh, actually, that's a really good point. Actually, talking about Rick and Morty because I've always said oh, I'm like I'm like Jerry and. In Rick and Morty, I think I'm kind of like Jerry in in this series, not with the relationship with Joe, but more with the whole watching everything happen around him, going, "What is happening here?" That relationship, Grandpa Joe is just superb. He has such cutting humor, and his voice is just because we've seen I've I've seen you know his serious side in that in the Outlaws, and so to see it here with the the comedy side is um, it's just so good and jerry's just exasperated um it's oh it is a, a brilliant um dynamic that they have and then you throw that opposite um the mary the mum played by uh, tara lynn o'neill also she's just made for this role so much comedy gold just it's absolutely top tier comedy it really is I think too. This is a, a light spoiler, but I just love the Liam Neeson oh. cameo at the start of the season, and particularly with um, uh, the character James uh, Maguire, who is always hanging out with the girls. He goes to this all, all girls school, <laughs> and just when he's like, "I'm not a girl," and Liam Neeson's like, "Okay, love," <laughs> like <laughs> so, so derogatory. <laughs> and um, when they're sort of like thinking that obviously they've watched too much Line of Duty. Well, actually, they wouldn't have. It was in the nineties, but you know, as they're talking and people, they're like for the tape, and Liam's like, "There is no tape." It's like it's so deadpan. And then, of course, they managed to finally overcome Liam Neeson by throwing Uncle Colm at him. And it's like as Colm's talking, Liam Neeson says to his partner cop, "Sort of, what question did we ask him?" And the the other cop's like, "I can't remember." it's so good it's good it's um i think i I also love a great cameo like that or just sort of like out of the blue but like a great just just that it's so so well so so fitting i think the other thing that's really awesome about um dairy girls is that it's just got such a banging 90s soundtrack Mm. and obviously plays strong sort of hemorrhage to um Irish music, like the the cores and the cranberries, and that's it's it's so good. Oh, it really is. It was 
it's just it's just a trip down memory lane and speaking of little cameos as well i really appreciated um bronna gallagher when she showed up from the commitments reprising her role from that movie such a brilliantly random cameo i thought that was really nicely done i just think overall you know when i talked about smother and what i appreciated about it from an irish com- irish comedy is just a class of its own it's just absolutely they, 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 they can just be talking about what they're having for dinner and just so much of the emotion the facial expressions the phrasing the accent everything it's they were made to be funny and it's it's all the little things too. Like there's a there's a quote in this season which I think I'm going to use for the title of the show, and it's uh, I think it's uh, I think it's Michelle that says it, and she's like, "We got the gist. They ran out of spuds. Everyone was raging. Like there's <laughs> there's just so many great one-liners. It's, oh, that's the thing. There are so many great one-liners and and <laughs> and so many set piece moves in this series this season. Sorry, like the they had. The competitions, the talent competitions that they were at, like all of the different um, acts that were coming on this talent quest, or what was it? Uh, Stars in their eyes, <laughs> which yeah, was great. Yeah. And um, the Spice Girls was just absolutely perfect. It was just, just so good. Just I, I, I mean, I was just, I was almost about to say I can't fault this season. And the one thing I will say, and I wonder what your take is on this, but I may sound like a bit of a party pooper, but there was a real downer moment in this season uh, and it happens in the penultimate episode. And, and I just, we talk about when, when comedies get serious, we talk about it with afterlife. We've talked about it with, uh, with breeders and other comedies. And I feel like this suffered a little bit because it was, a, it was really out of step with the rest of it. And it was a real change in direction. It, I just felt it was off brand for this type of comedy, as opposed to afterlife or breeders for me. What do you think? Are we talking about uh, Claire's family? Yes. So we're talking yeah. about. Um, yeah, I I am with you. I I feel like that really came out of the blue. Like, and I think Breeders is a good shot, right? Like, like because with Breeders you're laughing along, you're having a good time, then all of a sudden it gets very serious. I don't know where or why this seriousness was all of a sudden required in, mm-hmm. in Dairy Girls. Like, like narratively, like it didn't change that much. Like, unless it was to help sort of deal with maybe like scheduling conflicts or something, and they needed to sort of free up more of uh Claire's time I don't know but it, it did feel a bit unnecessary yeah I, I thought so too so um but what I will say is they did I thought the follow-up episode the finale the final episode I thought it brought us right back on track and I thought it was a lovely ending and I thought it was uh I thought it was really poignant that they had that with the with with, with the Good Friday Agreement and, and that entire story and I do also I really love the attention to detail and I don't know how how, who in the writing staff decided to, to go for this and man, managed to make it happen. But in the finale of season two with the Clintons uh, who'd come to Derry and they were rolling out the red carpet and the, the gang sent Chelsea Clinton a letter in that, but they never heard back from her. And then they just had a random scene of a letter having been sort of got lost in the post and finally made it to Chelsea Clinton. And then she reads it out loud. It's like, it's, it's very random, but really well done. Yeah, and it felt like a real classic Dairy Girls moment, right? Or yeah. something that actually would have happened. So, oh yeah, uh, uh, yeah, yeah. And the, yeah. the 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 letter, the 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 phrasing of the letter, rather than written in a in a in a in a what is what's the word I'm looking for? How you might write it, but actually writing it as you would talk um, was mm-hmm. just um, it was so good. Mm. This is a, a great a great final season and a a great package and i could see myself coming back to watch all three seasons at some point just as a yeah as a fun rewatch in the future I, th- I think so as well i think it could be you know you and i often talk about oh what can you sit down and watch with your parents as a for a bit of a fun i think it could be a contender but um yeah after a long wait season three was worth the wait yeah yeah it, that's a good chat actually the we should maintain a list actually of like shows you can watch with your parents and this, <laughs> this would be right up there yeah and um, all three seasons are currently available uh, on Netflix. Shall we uh, jump on into our movie of the week? Yeah, let's go. So every week, if you haven't joined us before, this is what happens. Dan and I take it in turns, choose a movie to watch and review. We announce what the movie will be uh, in our Discord community. Uh, and then seven days later, we turn up here on the pod and we review it and you can join our Discord community by clicking the link in the show notes. And uh, Dan, what have we got this, this week? 
This week we are watching the 2022 movie on Apple TV called The Greatest Beer Run Ever. So this is the story of a man leaving New York in 1967 to bring beer to his childhood buddies in the army while they're fighting in Vietnam. And this is a movie starring Zac Efron as our main character. Um, he plays Chicky Donahue, and he... Well, it also stars Russell Crowe, but I, I don't think Russell Crowe has quite sort of the... The, the main role in this that I maybe thought he did from some of the, the promotional stuff that I saw. But this was a, um interesting movie. Like, I'm always intrigued by a, an Apple TV movie. Like, I think their, their TV shows are, are great. Sometimes the movies can be, I wouldn't say terrible, but, you know, a little bit kind of not quite the consistent quality. But this was a, an interesting one for me. So based on a true story, so basically, Zachy Efron's character, he he was in the Merchant Marines. He's he's kind of hanging out with his mates, um, and hasn't really got much going on. A lot of them sort of, you know, he's hearing all the sort of the protests around the Vietnam War and why is America there and. Um, he's sort of thinking, well, his buddies are over there. Some of his friends are, are getting killed. And so he sort of thinks it would be a great thing to do to bring them some, some local beer. And amazingly, he kind of succeeds at that mission by, by A, getting to Vietnam, which, which sort of is a two- or three-month boat ride for him, and then sort of like travelling around via military checkpoints, sort of almost kind of like going undercover but kind of accidentally as a as a CIA agent to deliver beer which his buddies can actually already access but this is this is special beer coming it's direct from his uh his hometown sort of corner pub but it's a uh, yeah, this was an interesting one what did you think of this Paul? Firstly I love a true story we always talk about it I, I love the idea of bringing that to, to screen I love you know at the end of the movie we have the actual the original always the original good guy. it is always good right i mean it wasn't quite up there with like the band of brothers type thing but you know what i mean and i, I really appreciate that and i thought firstly zach efron i thought he was just so good in this i would absolutely say this is far and away his best this would be his peak performance for me at this stage in his career he showed a really deep emotional performance he clearly shows he can take on some really big roles and so i really enjoyed his performance you've already touched on what was going to be my one of my biggest complaints coming to this movie um about russell crowe and the analogy i thought of was like when you you know when you buy like a tin of quality street and then when you open it you don't get all the orange and strawberry creams you know that's not what advertised on the tin and the promotional material the poster Russell Crowe does not warrant his name on the poster as being second billing. It should be Zac Efron. And then you know how you have also starring A, B, C, D, and E, and Russell Crowe, you know, like how they do the other big name at the end as an and. And it sort of tells you that you're going to see them in this movie, but don't expect them to be. It's For me, I, I feel cheated because I love a bit of Rusty, and we haven't seen him since you and I reviewed Unhinged. And I, I'll be honest with you, I largely actually chose this because – uh, out of the two that you put forward because he was in it and so so that was a bit disappointing but take nothing away from Zach Efron's performance in this he is superb um I think Paul um I've never had any quality street chocolate what? so I don't what's wrong with you what I, are you on about I feel like we, look I I feel like is this the time of the year that you normally buy a whole bunch yes or is that is that what, what, what do you have for Christmas if you don't have quality street what chocolates have you got in the house don't know oh, we used to have like ridiculous Look, I'm going to be relying on you for some quality yeah. street chocolates okay. you in the half measures gift bag. <laughs> gift bag. Um, <laughs> you and I had a conversation off air before we recorded about how none of us will ever pay for shipping for anything. So that's never yeah. going to happen. Okay. Um, I, so, yeah, I think – so overall, actually, I did enjoy this movie. Like, A, I always enjoy uh, a good war movie. B, well, I think the true story bit's always good. Um I was definitely intrigued by Zac Efron and Russell Crowe, and I think you're right. Like I think Zac Efron, Zac Efron played a, a great role. I think my only real sort of criticism of this film is I found its messaging a bit too on the nose, in the sense that it was very much a uh, with, with Zac Efron's character, like 
no, we're war is like we have to do this war. We're helping everyone, and then like, oh, actually, war is bad, and there's you know the the government can sort of be a bit deceiving. Like it was a little bit like ham fisted in the way it kind of went told that story, and it it felt a bit forced to me. But I think outside of that, I actually had a really good job, really good time, just sort of watching him go on this kind of crazy adventure, and the fact that it was a a true story was kind of mind blowing, and I think. There's so many great moments where, because he kind of turns up in this war zone in his casual clothes, everyone just presumes that he's like a, a CIA black ops agent. It was so great. That's it. Uh, look, firstly, you're right about the messaging. I was the same. It's a real, you see, Timmy, you know, there's a real on the nose messaging, which no one needs. Because uh, uh, I have other criticisms of this movie to, to talk about, but uh, I do love, um, as you touched on, the whole, because he's in casual clothes. He has to be a tourist. I love that whole sort of, um, you know, he's like, he says, oh, he, he thinks I'm CNA, CIA, like James Bond. You know, I love that idea that people would give him a wide berth because no one could possibly believe that he was a tourist from New York who would turn up to a war zone just to deliver beer. And when he learned how to run with that idea, he had some real fun with it and and sort of played it to his advantage until, of course, it got really serious. And then when he saw things that a tourist shouldn't see, and then they were trying to, I don't know, I couldn't work out if they were trying to actually capture, capture him or kill him. I wasn't sure what the, what they were actually trying to do, but it was, it was, that was intense. And for me, that was where this movie didn't hit the mark. And the, and I, I feel like I, I just don't think it, because there was so much comedy and I don't feel as it worked as a comedy. And this is kind of what we were talking about with Derry Girls in terms of the seriousness. I feel like there was a story that could have been told here as a out and out serious movie that would have worked really much, much better. Cause there was a lot of things going on in this movie with, with blood bodies on the floor. Um, th- there was brutal war scenes with innocent young people being blown up grenades, you know, and then people walking out with a with an arm blown off. You, if you cut all those scenes together, this movie is out there with some of the grittiest war movies ever made. And so, yeah, overall, despite that brilliant performance, that comedy thing didn't work for me. So overall, this movie doesn't actually land for me, but I loved so much about it. Yeah, I think that's a really good point, and I think that really hits home, I think, when – uh, Zach Efron kind of arrives quickly on, on the front lines and he's kind of like goofy little, oh let me hide under this tarp and surprise my buddies and mm. then like they're literally like you know having to risk their life every moment of the day and it it, it, it did kind of it felt so off and it, I, I didn't even like the feeling when uh, the other uh, army sort of members thought that um, that Zach Efron was a, a, a CIA tourist and could actually get them promotions and stuff. And he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, it just kind of felt so – it felt icky. Yeah, And yeah, yeah. And it, I think you're right. Like, it's kind of like they've kind of mixed two genres that don't really go that well together. But I think when you title your movie The Greatest Beer Run Ever, it kind of already – like, the writing's on the wall. That's right. right. And so I came into this – expecting that that comedy element and i think sometimes it works with with war movies and i, I guess uh, i'm thinking of monuments men's or um <laughs> i was gonna say dad's army but there are times when it works but because you go gritty at times that's when it doesn't quite work but i don't want to take away from everything because there was so much in it that was was good i was also surprised because i kind of thought that this movie would be all about him trying to get there and and find his friends and i thought that movie would be about the journey so i was surprised how quickly like he he got to vietnam and was there in like 20 minutes into this movie and that was a surprise and even the way in which he got there was and again this is based on a true story but like you know when he he, he walks up to the port and he goes you haven't got any ships going to nam by any chance he goes as a matter of fact we do in three hours it was like and this and then what was that line about uh, when he says, oh, this, this ship goes via Jersey. And he's like, why Jersey? And they're like, oh, because it's loaded with ammo. And he goes, we can't have it taken out in New York. But if Jersey goes up, who'd miss it? It was some real some real funny humor in there as well. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. I think even though, um, I think just on the Russell Crowe thing, though he wasn't in this film a lot, I think when he was, he kind of like, you know, he, he commanded his friends, right? And, you know, you genuinely believed he was a, a war photographer and he was sort of committed to the, the job. And I think he's, you, you can tell he's he's great. And I, I kind of feel a bit sorry for Zac Efron because I think 
I think a movie like this shows the the range of Zac Efron, and I think you know, obviously he sort of comes from quite a sort of a rich comedy sort of background, and that he does have the the serious goods as well. But I think you're right; there's still something sort of a, a bit off in this movie. One thing I did want to raise with you: Did you recognise our mate in this movie, uh, Hal Cumpston from um, Walking Dead: World Beyond? I did not. So he was one oh, of the buddies yeah. uh, back in the bar. He was the He's obviously the he's a he's a big unit. Larry, he's, a, he's a big guy. There he is. Yeah, and so yeah, world beyond. I think I must have blocked out the world beyond in my consciousness so much um, that maybe I uh, that was why I didn't recognise him. But no, really good show. Look, I think yeah, when you know it's Peter Farrelly directing, and you think about you know his movies, Dumb and Dumber. There's something about Mary. You, you, so that comedy element was always going to be there. I just feel like. I would I would love to have seen him do this as Adam that seriousness, but um it wasn't meant to be. There was also some there were also some really that they really progressed the plot quite quickly with some really uh again, it's a true story, so who knows if it was just coincidence, but like when he walks up to the first person he sees and he goes, Oh, you wouldn't happen to know Collins by any chance and you know, in the middle of Vietnam and the guy's like, Yeah, he's just over <laughs> that's like me that's like me walking up to a patron producer, Trisha, and saying, oh, do you know Siobhan McSweeney from Derry Girls? You know, it's like, it's ridiculous, but hey. She would though, right? Well, like, they're both from Cork, so yeah, there's a good chance. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> indeed, indeed. So I guess the, the big question, Paul, what does this get on the old Guns of Kimbo scale? Uh, yeah, see, uh, I was really torn. I It doesn't land with me. I felt even over just over two hours because of the comedy, I felt a tad long at times. I, I love, like I love Bill Murray, you know, the role he had. I don't know how you can go years without seeing Bill Murray, then see him in two back, movie of the weeks back to back. I, I can't think I'm going to go, I'm going to go one and a half guns then. Oh, it's mm, rough. No. It's rough. I, I would probably go, two guns on this one for me okay um i think because it's still quite a, a as a total package it's, it's still quite a sort of quality well-made film mm. um there's some great sort of star potential the true story nature um again like this could have maybe been told in a bit of a, a different way because i think when you're telling these true stories like the could have been an interesting sort of like six-part miniseries or something you know like just to sort of like yeah. tell that story a bit more because i think there there are some big leaps and moments whereas and as a viewer or audience member you've just got to like believe in the oh yep he's he's in vietnam now oh yep he's just stumbled across his buddy like but there could have been some interesting journeys in there to be told but yeah i'd give it a two i think if you're interested in this one you can check it out on apple tv um but it's a uh, it's in the just in the okay range for us here at the Half Measures podcast. Yeah, I think so. I think if you're a fan of Zac Efron, you'll definitely get something out of it. And I think if you're someone who maybe doesn't think they like Zac Efron, then I'd say, like me, I'm glad I watched it because I saw a side to him and I thought, oh yeah, this this guy's... I remember, it's a bad analogy, but you know, it's kind of the Robert Pattinson, like I saw him a couple of things, like, like Tenet, like The Lighthouse, and I was like, oh, this guy can act. And then by the time we went into Batman, wow. Indeed, indeed. Look, I think he's definitely got the goods. I, I, I like him as an actor. So, um, yeah, look, I, th- I think it's it's different. Right? Like, if I paid to go to the movies to see this, I might have been a, a bit more harsher on it. But I think when it's in your kind of yeah. your streaming rotation, yeah. not so bad. Correct. And if nothing else, I found it that you don't eat Quality Street. So we can we can let to rectify that as well. So there's there's all kinds of benefits for me here. Yeah, nice, nice. So what's your pick of the week, Dan, based on the, the, I guess, the four things that you've brought into the table here? Um, I actually think I'm going to go with the the movie The Black Phone, just as it purely kind of caught me off guard, something a little bit different, had a, a lot of fun. It's the season to watch the spooky things. So, um, yeah, I think it's a it's a great watch. How about yourself? I'm definitely going Derry Girls Season 3. It was, uh, it was what I needed this week and also... Um, like it's been a busy week. I've been on the road again, traveling, and it's like it's great to when you come home just to stick in an, an episode of Dairy Girls. That's my pick. Nice, nice. Shall I take us on over to the news desk? Let's go. All right. So, a few things. So, as what tends to happen on the news desk, uh, the Jason Voorhees actor, actor Ted White, has passed away at age 96. So, 
Uh, Ted wasn't the first person to play uh, Jason Voorhees, but he he did play play him in Friday the Thirteenth, the final chapter. So ninety six is a a pretty good innings. Mm, it really is. Uh, over on the MCU side of the the fence, it looks like uh, Thunderbolt Ross, who is a, a colonel and oh, sorry, he's a general in the in the military in the Marvel universe, he is going to be replaced by Harrison Ford, which is uh, exciting times. So great to see more of Harrison Ford on the screen. For some reason, Paul, ever since the I guess it's The Force Awakens. I think of Harrison Ford as quite grumpy. And so I think of somebody asking him to come and play a, a general in the MCU, it's just like, oh, God. Yeah. Oh, I don't want to, yeah. but I'll do it. He does make some surprising decisions, eh? Because you're right. I, I I was always surprised he came back as Han Solo. Um, but he's always loved Indiana Jones. But anything beyond that, like, you know, I would never expect to see him turn up in a comic movie. So, um, so that's, mm. that's great. He's uh, He's... He's obviously in his older age. He's obviously just losing up a bit. Indeed, indeed. Uh, Netflix has rebounded, so they've uh, that you know we've previously sort of reported how their subscriber numbers have dropped since they've had their account sharing crackdown. But their numbers are now up with two point four million new subs, which is uh, pretty exciting for those guys. I think this new platform, not new platform, this new model of having advertising, I think it's going to make it more accessible to a lot of people and I, I think it's I think it's good. Indeed. Over on the uh the DC side of the fence, so uh Ezra Miller, who we've also been talking about, who is gonna be playing the Flash, uh recently sort of been in the media for a whole bunch of issues. So he's most recently pled guilty to um the felony burglary charges. But if he is found guilty he could face up to twenty six years in prison and also fines of up to two thousand dollars. I would imagine none of those things are going to come to fruition just because of all sorts of things. Warner Brothers, privilege, <laughs> you know. But Also, uh, the, 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 the prison sentence seems really out of kilter with a fine of just 2000 It does, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. Look, look I'll, I'll pay 4000 yeah, you know. That's right. I'll double it. Uh, on the same same sort of line as The Flash, so they already have The Flash 2 already has a script. So apparently Warner Brothers has got sort of jumped on it early, hoping that it's a success so that they can jump on it uh, with a sequel. So if things sort of move ahead in the positive way they seem to be, there could be more Flash on the horizon. Mm-hmm. And then most recently in DC News... Apparently, there is a very strong interest um, in Henry Cavill coming back for a Man of Steel too. I'd be interested, Paul. I mean, it'd be great. I've been on the bandwagon for this for absolutely ages because this, the Superman franchise does not ex- does not need to come through the Justice League storyline. It is quite big enough by itself, as is the Batman franchise. It's like Man of Steel was a great movie. It was a superb movie, and no matter what anyone thinks of any of the Justice League movies, which I enjoy, but no, no matter what, why that movie never got a sequel is absolutely criminal. So I really hope he does. Mm. It's crazy, isn't it? Hopefully we get more, and I, I think from what I'm sort of seeing around the place, Henry Cavill is pretty interested as well. Uh, just this week we've had a trailer for Creed 3. So I've sort of talked about Creed 1 and 2 on the podcast. Absolutely love those movies. The Creed 3 trailer looks banging. Can't wait for that one. That is coming out in early 2023. And then another movie sequel that looks like it's on the cards. This is a sequel to the 1996 movie, Twister. So there is another movie coming out, Paul, by the looks of it. That's um, moving forward in development. You may remember it starred Bill Paxton, Helen Hunt. Does this ring any bell for you, Twisters? You're speechless. It's 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 it seems an unlikely sequel to happen, but I um I'm interested to see what happens. Uh, it's not one big on my radar. I I sometimes and I feel like I hate how just so much stuff gets rebooted all the time, or kind of like oh let's pick that up again. I, it's I guess you know no new ideas and all that type of stuff, but it is I'd I'd rather just a reset. Like let's let's not have a continuation of these things. Yeah, I think so. That is me, Paul. Anything on your side? A uh, couple of things. Um, firstly, again, sad news with Robbie Coltrane passing this week. He, for me, was just, of course, people, you know, obviously as Hagrid in the Harry Potter movies. But for me, I always started with him as as Fitz in Cracker 
one of my all-time favourite UK police dramas, and he was just absolutely superb in that and his role in the Bond movies. So, yeah, age 72. It was a real shame. It was lovely to see him in the Harry Potter um the, the the anniversary the special they did earlier this year um but yeah just really sad um that is it is such a sad passing and i think you know 72 is still it's so young oh, 70 is the new 50 it's really young it's really young so um yeah that was that was horrible and the only other thing i spotted this week um as a big fan of the crane was the the images that came out for the season five um photos and you know we've got we've got a new queen we've got a new philip and um that's all very exciting but the one which really caught my eye and i don't know why was johnny lee miller as prime minister john major he just with the with that gray hair and glasses he just looks the part and i love johnny lee miller so i'd love to see how he's going to get on taking on the role of of john major so um that's a show i'll be reviewing early next year I keep looking at it, it keeps popping up on my list, but when I, I, I want to watch it, I um I nearly started today actually, and for some reason I didn't, but um uh, I should try and get on it before season five comes out. Well, there's that, but there's also the the view, like I outrageously, given the name of this podcast, I was outrageously late to Breaking Bad, and so by the time I came along, I could just dive into the whole thing. And so I wonder, you know, if, as we're now like seven years into that, if you haven't started already, it's almost like, do you give it because it's only going to have another couple of seasons? Do you actually wait until it's all gone, all dropped, and then do up. the whole thing? Mm-hmm. That might be quite an experience as well. But um, but yeah, so um, taking us over across to our mailbag down, I've got three things this week. Firstly, a shout out to Dave Peatling in Vancouver, who says he loves listening in to Half Measures and that it's a very professional podcast, which is highly surprising uh praise i wish you could see behind the curtain dave but thank you for the comment all the same your chick is in the mail dave we uh we love that sort of feedback indeed um secondly uh so our posts on social media for the lazarus project uh that got a a retweet by the writer and the creator of the of the series joe Baden, also from the director Laura Scrivano, and was also shared by the lead actress, um, Anjali Mohindra, who you and I also enjoyed in the uh, the UK submarine drama Vigil. And the showrunner, Joe Batten, also replied, thank you, Kiwi friends. So always nice to get the attention of people that have made something that you've enjoyed, I always think. So that was nice. And then third and finally, our peak performance from last week, John Lithgow. Um, we had a few picks here. Firstly, we had Matt from Nelson here in New Zealand, who says, third rock from the sun all day, every day. Um, A big hit, third rock. Sir Bruce Gray of Scotland, he went with uh, John's performance of BZ in 1985's Santa Claus the Movie, the greatest Christmas movie of all time, another podcast we should do. Um, I remember seeing that movie at the cinema in Leicester Square, no less. Love that movie. Uh, what else have we got? Um, our Patreon producer, Michael Chalmers, gave us a 321, Harry and the Hendersons, uh, the new Perry Mason series, which is on my watch list. Uh, I used to love the old Perry Mason. And number one was Trinity Killer. And then finally, Paddy from Time Travelling Tink Podcast, his 321 of Shrek, The Crown. And number one for him was also Third Rock from the Sun. And that's our mailbag this week. I love it. It's a great shouts by the by the audience. Peak performance time, Dan. Should we jump across? Yeah, so much like our movie of the week. Each week, Paul and I take tunes, choosing a different actor, actress, director, producer, and we choose what we think of their peak performance. Paul, who have you chosen for us this week? This week, Dan, I took a risk, took a gamble, picked someone old school, and I went with Robert Redford. Never heard of him. <laughs> Over to you, Dan. <laughs> so, um, yeah, this is a this is a, a great great choice. Uh, a strong back catalogue of options. Um, I'm actually going to go with a couple of couple of oldies. Well, not super old, but oldish. 
Um, so my honourable mention, I'm actually going to go with the 1993 movie Indecent Proposal. So classic movie where a billionaire offers a thousand, thousand, has a thousand, thousand bucks, um, offers a million dollars to a young married couple for one night with the wife. And I remember watching this movie and just being so kind of like mind blown by the whole concept. But in today's day and age, who knows? Anything goes. Um, this was sort of such a, I haven't seen this movie for a long time, but it was really sat with me for a long time. And I think, you know, Robert Redford plays the, plays the role of uh, John, the, the billionaire in this. And it's, I think, just a, a, a different, quirky and interesting movie. And so it sort of stuck out for me and felt like it was worth a shout for honourable mention. But for my peak performance, I can't, I've talked about this movie before and I can't go past it. I've got to go with 1969's Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, mostly because it's the first Western I ever really remember watching and the one that has emotionally stuck with me sort of scarred me a bit like the never-ending story in Atreyu and the horse, like just the, the end scene uh, with um, Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid is just, it's so intense and it's a, it, I think it's a Western that still holds up today. So peak performance for me. Great choices, Dan. I... It's funny you say Indecent Proposal because I remember watching that movie back in 93 as well and all I could come away from that movie was just like, how could Woody from Cheers do this? It's like, how could, <laughs> it just, that was, he was Woody from Cheers from me at that point and so I just really, um, yeah, he's done a lot since, but yeah, great shape. Um, years ago, I had a, uh, unsurprisingly for me, I had a top 10 actors list of all time and I always remember Robert Redford was squarely in that list and i still have i don't know like over a dozen of his movies on dvd out in the garage somewhere and i remember when he sort of announced his retirement quite recently and i remember thinking oh, i'm gonna have to bring him to the mix for a peak performance so here we go my honorable mention then is a 2001 movie uh, opposite james gandolfini and mark ruffalo and that is the last castle and as you know i love any sort of prison movie um and and putting aside the prison part this is just an all-round great movie he, he gets sent to jail but you can tell he's a good guy he really shouldn't be there and this place is run by a crazy james gandolfini and and redford's character just rallies together nearly all of the inmates uh, in this place uh, against this this corrupt and really quite crazy warden and it's a really, really strong movie. Um, I feel like it may have been one of the first times I saw Mark Ruffalo. I'm not sure, but um, just a really great, great, great movie. One of his last great movies, I would, I would say, actually, that 2001 movie. Um, yeah, have you seen that one? I have seen it, but I remember like it's a movie I've probably only ever seen once, and I, I feel like it might have been a movie I watched on like a Sunday, you know, Sunday night at eight thirty. They put on like a classic. I feel like that's when I saw The Last Castle and. What a great cast. It's probably worth a rewatch. Yeah. Oh, 2001 was a great year for him because he, that movie came out and then Spy Game came out the same year opposite Brad Pitt. And that was a quality movie as well. And I just, I remember thinking at the time, having been a fan of his movies, thinking, oh, he's coming into like a, like a, you know, like a, a second sort of, um, a second wind of great movies. And maybe he, maybe he didn't quite. Um, but I'm going to go for my peak performance, and I have to say, like you, I love it when I have a movie that comes up more than once um, because it's always a sure sign that it's a top-tier movie. And it's not it's not your movie, um, but I have to say I absolutely love Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. It, it is an absolute classic. But the other performance that he had opposite Paul Newman is my um, peak performance, and it's often overlooked, I think, and that is as Johnny Hooker in 1973's The Sting and what's funny is this movie, I feel like, flies a little under the radar. It is, it is really famous, but it sort of doesn't get quite the same fame. Or I don't know because Butch Cassidy, the ending was so classic, the music was so classic. And but this this movie rates really, really well. It actually rates really high on Metacritic and IMDb. Um, it's a movie I could rewatch every year, never tire of. In fact, I'd love it to be a movie of the week because it's it's like. It's like the Ocean's Eleven of the 1970s, and it's it's so good. Two grifters team up to pull off the ultimate con, and back again with Paul Newman. 
you, you just won't be disappointed. It was my peak performance for Paul, Min- Paul Newman when we did that back in podcast 104, according to the database on our website. Um, so, yeah. Awesome. Those are good shouts, Paul. Always good to sort of reminisce about these old great movies. 100%. Well, that probably brings us to the end of uh, another episode of the Half Measures podcast. It does. Thanks for listening in, as always. Please get in touch and let us know what you thought of Dairy Girls, why you thought the greatest ever beer run was beer run ever, sorry, was was a good movie, uh, or if you've got a peak performance in Robert Redford, or anything that you have to say, we'd love to hear from you at halfmeasurespodcast.com. Also, a very special shout-out to our Patreon producers, Samara Wanning-King, Trisha Brady, Dinah Kanawa, and Michael Chalmers. If you too would like to become a Patreon producer of the Half Mrs. Podcast, then you can find those details in the show notes below. But until next week, everyone, adios.